Thanks for connecting with Pod Topics, the place for engaging conversations and insightful information. Coming up next on Pod Topics, you'll hear the debut episode of Moving Business Forward, focusing on businesses and organizations in the Chattanooga area. Here's a preview of our conversation with Rodney Van Valkenburg, the Executive Director of the Chattanooga Theater Center. There's so much about the human condition that we have an innate need, especially of an artist, to express ourselves and let people know what's feeling and to have a creative experience. And from theater, it's a communal joint effort. It's a team project to put on. And people miss that and they're like, oh, thank goodness I'm doing this. And so that's very therapeutic. And it's also, as humans, to go see plays, that we have this needs. These are human needs that we have and when it's been suppressed, you're going to keep hearing as we get out of this about, oh my God, I can't believe I went to that. I feel whole again. And it's part of our human nature. I just think that's part of it are finding these solutions and having the responsibility to do these projects. But like I say, what we had to do was find what can we do that is not just a play, but something that has social relevance. Welcome to the debut edition of Moving Business Forward from Pod Topics. In this podcast series, we'll be sharing perspectives and insights from leaders and decision makers in the Chattanooga area who are meeting the challenge to keep their respective businesses and organizations moving forward. As you heard in the opening, we'll start our series by talking with Rodney Van Valkenburg, the Executive Director of the Chattanooga Theater Center. Rodney began his new leadership role with the Theater Center in early August of 2020, which of course was still in the pre-vaccine days of the COVID-19 global pandemic. Greg Thompson, the executive producer of Pod Topics, talked to Rodney about the adjustments that he and his team at the Theater Center have made over the past year. As you'll hear from our interview recorded on-site and in-person at the Chattanooga Theater Center, Rodney and his entire team have responded, becoming quite innovative with a number of new approaches to carrying out their mission to the community as they work to continue to move their business forward. Rodney, it's great to have you on one of our first Moving Business Forward episodes. You've got such an interesting story, both personally and professionally, through the Theater Center. As we record this, it's mid-September 2021. The world is still dealing with COVID. You guys are dealing with COVID. Let's talk a little bit about how you're moving forward. Sure. The arts are a very interesting case study of COVID and how to deal with COVID in business because the nature of our business is to be interactive with the public. It's not an isolated business that at some point there's this interaction with your product and the consumer or the audience. It's certainly been for all of the arts communities a huge, huge, huge challenge to stay active and stay open, but also be viable. Make sure that you're still relevant to the community. Sure. And at the same time, be responsible too, right? Well, yes, definitely being responsible and making sure that we're safe, not only for the audience that comes see the show, but one thing I don't think people really think about that we have the artists, or in our case, actors and crew members and technicians and directors that we also have to keep safe. So it's really two different issues that we have to deal with to actually to do what we do. Sure. Because you have your day-to-day operations. We're here sitting in your office and you just mentioned to me that you guys have invested in an INS system. Talk about that a little bit and we'll dive into some of the other things that you've done to deal with the pandemic. But I find this very interesting that you've got an ionization system that is working, as you said, to protect everyone who walks in the building, regardless if they're an audience member, if they're a volunteer, if they're a performer, a stagehand, everybody. One of the fortunate parts of COVID and handling COVID is not only do we take advantage of the PPP opportunities and the 
the small business loans. We also got a chartered venue grant that was very significant to help us keep going. But there's also special things for nonprofits, things through the state. One of the things that happened from the government is how can you stay open and how are you changing your business because of COVID. For very fortuitously that we were able to make some changes, which are great to do even outside of COVID, like putting in a GPS ionization system that kills the germs. 99.4% of all COVID-like germs get knocked out every half hour it circulates. But I find it as kind of like kind of a safety in your back pocket. It's not something you visually see. The question might be, why do we still wear masks? And why do we ask people to be careful? Because we can see that and we know that. So I look at GPS ionization system as just an extra protection. To my knowledge, in this whole time, we've never had any case of somebody that contracted or had COVID because they were active here in the last. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, so I always have to find a piece of wood to knock on. Folks, we've given you a little bit of a preview of what we're going to discuss a little bit later in the podcast as we talk about some of the steps that the theater center has taken. But Rodney, I wanted to talk to you, first of all, about you coming back to the theater center because this is where you started your career. You come back in the middle of a pandemic. What's going on with that? I know it's been an interesting challenge, but it's very rewarding, strangely enough. I always think there are opportunities in situations like this. You always have to look for what's the opportunities. My career is very unique in the sense that I came to Chattanooga right out of graduate school. My master's was from the University of North Carolina, Greensboro, was actually in child drama, children's theater. So I came in 1983 to Chattanooga to be the first full-time youth theater director, education person here at the Chattanooga Theater Center, which was known as the Little Theater. And we're celebrating our 98th season. We did shows last year, so we have never missed a season in 98 years. There are some other theaters that were started earlier, but they did not have productions during World War II. A lot of these theaters stopped. We did have productions last year, so we're going into officially our 98th season. But what that's given me, having been here in Chattanooga since 1983, is really an interesting perspective of how the community has changed. Because you reach a point when you're in a community that long, just out of graduate school, and you think, gee, should I go someplace else? Do I move my career? or someplace else. And then it became very obvious that Chattanooga was on the move. It was growing. The theater center was growing. Where else would I go that would have these sort of interesting opportunities of growth? So sure enough, I was here for 18 years. Started as youth theater director, education director, ended up co-executive director of the theater center. Then I left in 2001 for another 18 years. Went to <laughs> what was known as Allied Arts, now is known as Arts Build. The, again, started in education and worked my way up to I was the interim executive director or in, interim president there, and then came back. There was an opportunity to come back. It's a very unique kind of bookending. Hopefully my last stop before retirement. When this job was open, I believe that COVID had already begun. You were on the cusp of it. Actually, I applied in January of 2020. It was right before. But you knew by the time the interview was happening. Yes, that we're in the midst of it. Back then, boy, it was so scary because the theater was like, well, if we're not producing, what do we do and how do we handle that situation? There was a human cost to all that, that the theater center did have to furlough some employees because we weren't producing. So that's the other challenge, that if you're not producing plays, then why do you need somebody to build sets when there's no sets to be built? Sure. You come to a screeching halt like that, it does have an impact on your business and what you can actually produce. I actually formally came in in August of 2020. 
That was a good time. I had informally attended board meetings before then and all, but officially it was August. And that was good timing that we're beginning to figure out some ways to handle the situation, how to conduct business, and began to actually find some very creative solutions to stay in business. You knew you were coming into a challenging situation. You knew you were going to have to be innovative. So how did you approach it as you came in here? Looking back at it, you look at the opportunities. So what does this mean? So the question that we have to look at is, okay, we can't do this, but what does this allow you to do? Where we pivoted initially was the idea, we have a beautiful lawn. And if you're not familiar with the Chattanooga Theater Center, we're in the North Shore, we're right on the river. We've been on this property since 1960. We actually own the whole property to the river and we've never taken advantage, we meaning the Chattanooga Theater Center, the little theater, never really took advantage of our location on the river. And we have a beautiful lawn on the river. So one of the first things when I came in, I had a board member, our board president, Mitch Collins, was also very instrumental in this and saying, hey, let's buy fencing, temporary fencing, three foot tall, 10 feet wide fencing that you can put up, which was very important for two reasons. That meant we could isolate our front lawn to sell tickets because one of the reasons they never did anything on the lawns, they didn't know how to isolate it so you can actually sell tickets. But also what happens when you isolate a space, you can sell alcohol. Oh, okay, there you go. That's part of the requirements of selling alcohol in the space. It has to be a contained area. So we could create a contained area mm-hmm. on our lawn and we already had our liquor license to sell that. Whereas people know us as a community theater, what we do, our mission is to engage the community in all aspects of the theater as volunteers, to act in a play, to work backstage. Through professional guidance, we create these experiences. But what was new is taking advantage of our facility and our location to actually do some out our concerts. We had two concerts last fall. We've had two more since and this, this past spring, but we built a stage. We're a theater. We got stuff. So we built a stage on our veranda. It's a great situation because we have power that you need to do concerts. We have indoor bathrooms. Very important. We are very yeah. important. We don't have to do porta johns. Especially if you're selling beer. Right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So the infrastructure is there to sell concessions. So we set up a stage. We set up the fence. Those first two concerts that we did, we actually created eight by eight squares to keep everybody socially distanced. We're actually successfully had two performances. That was a very innovative way. So that was the start. So the question is, how do we do that? Then we also got a grant from ArtsBuild, an artist grant. We got it to create a music series inside the building, different places that we figured out how to social distance people inside the building and look at it. So we created a music series inside as well. That meant we didn't have to create the content all the time because that's the challenge is to produce something, you have to create some kind of content. So we were able to do that and we did a music series. So during COVID, the theater center actually hired 38 different musicians, about three choreographer, dancers, four technicians, So we actually paid for over 40 local artists during COVID, made some kind of money, which was a job of how can we support the arts community. And the productions we did in these concerts were all local artists. That's very important. So we were able to get a grant to help cover those costs. Artists got paid. And I think we spent over 30 some thousand dollars doing that. So it was about 15% of our total expenses for last year. So I'm really proud that we had this opportunity, as I mentioned before, which is very important to look at what can you do in this situation. 
and actually create a whole new program for the theater center that will continue after this is over. We discovered we could do and attract audiences like on Tuesday nights when we don't have shows typically. We're really taking advantage of this wonderful 44,000 square foot building that we have and to maximize that use and actually begin to create programming that generates income and that will be part of what we do going forward. Well it goes without saying that COVID has been a hard situation for our community, for our nation, for the world. It's changed our lives in a lot of ways. There's a lot of people that have died. There's a lot of people who have gotten sick. There's a lot of scars that are left behind. At the same time, leaders like yourself have had to find ways to be, as you noted here, innovative and move forward. It's forced you and forced others to think literally outside of the box and find new ways. And as you just mentioned, you've got new series that you know work that the public has responded to and that help the artist community in a number of ways. So that has to be, if there's a positive that comes out of all of this, that's definitely one of those. Yeah, it's interesting. We are definitely stronger coming out of COVID than we were going in financially because of the great support, government support and all that. Other arts organizations and other nonprofits are finding that same thing because of the funding opportunities that came about this, that we are much stronger than we were before. So that's kind of an irony, but you also have to remember, it's kind of to your point. And I have to remind myself that as excited as the executive and as pleased that we are financially more stable than we have been in years at the theater center, it did come from a human cost. I mean, we had to eliminate jobs. We're still about half the size of what we were when we came in. People don't realize that most likely because they see that we're doing so much stuff. But there was a human cost of people either eliminate the positions or they said, look, I just want to do something else with my life. That's what COVID was like for a lot of people. Oh, what do I really want to do now? Then made career changes. And we had some employees do that that wanted to do other things. The reality check and all that is, yes, we celebrate where we are now, but we have to have to recognize there was a human cost to that. So you had the outdoor shows, and then how did you move indoors with this and where we are today? Even back in October of 2020, we still wanted to get back to our core. What we do as a core is doing plays. So that was an interesting discussion. So we decided to do a play in October 2020. And then the question is, how do you handle a play during COVID? what's safe. We chose plays where the actors did not actually have to interact or touch each other and could always be six feet apart from each other. How do you find that? Give us a couple titles. I tell you, it's harder than you think, (laughs) but you also be relevant. So I'm really proud that the first thing we did coming out was having our say was the story of the Delaney sisters who are African-American older ladies and they talk about their life. And that was right during George Floyd. Oh, wow. Not only safe from a presentation standpoint, but timely. It was very timely. It continues the conversation. And certainly when you look at these women's lives, they hit on a lot of the issues that Black Lives Matter. So I think as a community theater, our mission is to not only allow the experience for the volunteers, but it's also how do you respond artistically to the community and talk. Having our say did that. So it was quite convoluted in the sense we had two different casts, just a 
case somebody got COVID, then you didn't have to cancel. Because I saw that around the country, like, oh, mm -hmm. we started this production, but somebody got COVID and we had to shut down. Having two casts made a difference. And then you had one director, but the director was only in person with one cast. And on the other cast actually directed via Zoom. So we had a lot of Zoom rehearsals. It was like an in-person team would stay together and everybody wore masks and everybody was social distance. It was a two-woman play who did not have to touch each other. They interacted great without the audience even being conscious that that was really what was going on. The other interesting thing, when we shut down, everything just came to halt last March 13th, Friday the 13th, we were ready to open The Hollow on the main stage. So unfortunately, that cast had to be told we're shutting down. Oh, that conversation had to be hard. Oh, very hard. I and mean, I wasn't part of that conversation. The right decision was we just need to stop production. Well, we left the set up. So one reason we became creative is that Scott Dunlap, who's our director of productions and had directed most of the shows, and he's also been the designer and lighting designer, all these things because we lost staff, he had to take it on but he has been even today as we're sitting here in September 21 we have reused that same set and reconfigured it 10 times had we had an empty stage it would have been impossible because you look at the increased cost of lumber and all that stuff that it was sure. so expensive to do that so inexpensively and very quickly with a reduced staff we were able to reconfigure our sets and reuse the set over and over and over now 10 times. We were able to convert Having Our Say and create the hollow set became the Having Our Say set, which became Lobby Hero set, which became It's a Wonderful Life set and on and on, because we've done nine shows since last March, actually. We've been that viable. And finally, here coming up in October of 2021, we will finally present the hollow and just have closure and then, <laughs> and then burn that sucker. <laughs> well, that said, it's coming yeah. down. As I'm listening to all this, did you kind of feel like you're on the Apollo 13, right? You, all right. You gotta, oh, it is. You got to make this thing fit over here. We can do this. We can do that. And oh. we well, you know what's clever. And Scott is just brilliant. He's been brilliant. The creative mind behind this. So on the set, probably appreciated that there was a checkerboard. And what people didn't realize is each of those checkerboard squares were three by three. So the actors knew they needed two squares to be to be six foot apart. There you go. And if I'm following you correctly, those squares were in place before, or did he? Did he, he added, added that in he added later. Okay. Yeah. So he did because it was a wooden floor. So he added that in okay. during Lobby Hero. And okay. That floor just got repainted. That's what you do in theater. You repaint the floor five, six times. Mm -hmm. But keeping that just so we always knew you were socially distanced. We just finished working our first musical because the other problem, challenge, was you can't do musicals because of the flow of air. So we thought everything was clear and did the working and even we started rehearsing without our masks. And then in August, we had to say, put the mask back on and get back in there. So there was a little more interaction. I think the vaccinations have been kind of a game changer as far as actually touching. That's kind of our process, making sure everybody's safe. We've done a lot of Zoom rehearsals. We had people masks. They wear masks off stage. What people also don't realize is if you walk backstage during a show, everybody has their mask on. Right before they step on stage, they take their masks off. You've done a great job of laying out how rehearsals work, how folks are interacting on stage, backstage. Now you're talking about welcoming audiences yeah. inside. If I'm following you correctly, you did some of that prior to vaccines being available. Correct. So take us through those early days of pre-vaccine 
and where you are now with your protocols. Sure. One thing I have to give a lot of credit to our staff who spend lots of time talking about proper safety procedures and the staff were the driving force even more than myself of really making sure we follow protocol for the community. I think the staff has just been outstanding of holding us accountable to be safe. We've mentioned before we've done this ionization system. It's like churches. A lot of churches have that and we're just joined the club as far as having our whole building have this ionization system in. But really what's key, and Julie, director of marketing, did a lot of research and said you really have to build the trust. There's so much of trust between you and the consumer, or in our case, the audience. And how do you make sure that you publicize and give information to the community so that they feel safe? And I will say, before I get into all of that, that I'm very proud how when you look at audience surveys and consistently from the beginning, people said, I felt concerned, but I felt safe going there. I'm really proud that we have succeeded in that and that's that trust and communication with the audience that people feel comfortable to come. And as you know, it's a continuum of comfort too. Some people don't really care about it, they'll just come. And there are other people like are really, really, really concerned. So it's a continuum of comforts. Our job is to make sure they're comfortable. What we've done is on the website, it's like 20 different things that we do. Certain things that we did that are important, we did not have concessions, eliminated concessions. We offered bottled water outside on the veranda. So during intermissions, we had free water water out there so you people get a break take their mask off because we did require masks and now we're back at it masks are required for the audience to wear another fortuitous thing that happened is that we had to change our ticketing system because it was being discontinued we're shifting our company that ran our ticketing system transitioned into a different company and the reason that was fortuitous is that one thing we can do in this system that we couldn't do is actually block out seats. So we were at 40% capacity. So our audience is about 380 seats. We limited our audiences initially at 40. This was pre-vaccine. Pre-vaccine, yes. 40. Now we've gone up to actually 60. But the ticketing system actually helped us in that we could block out seats. It was a way that we knew Katie, who's our box office manager, could go in before the show, before we started selling tickets and actually block tickets out. So even if you went online and bought a ticket, you would be a socially distanced seat. So it was all pre-planned. It's interesting, I will say though, in retrospect, that I think the demand, even that 40% or whatever, kind of met the demand. It's not like we've turned a lot of people away, actually, because of people being concerned about COVID. And having ushers and our house managers making sure that people wore their masks, greeted at the door and reminded and having stations for people to get the disinfectant, all that kind of stuff. Takes a little more manpower to make sure and manage that of our patrons. And most of our patrons have been good. Well, and I think that we've been doing this for so long. Oh. And every once in a while, even if you're the most ardent person in terms of maintaining your personal protocols and all that, I know what it takes to put on a big event. Doing a play and doing something in the community theater is a big commitment already just to get it to the stage. And then you throw all of this in. How difficult is it that you're able to do this so people can have a night out? Certainly from our volunteers, we have such great dedicated volunteers in the community. And I can't tell you how many volunteers have come up to me and said how much they needed to be in a play. As artists, we need to create 
There's so much about the human condition that we have an innate need, especially of an artist, to express ourselves and let people know what's feeling and to have a creative experience. And from theater, it's a communal joint effort. It's a team project to put on. And people miss that and they're like, oh, thank goodness I'm doing this. And so that's very therapeutic. And it's also, as humans, to go see place that we have this needs. These are human needs that we have and when it's been suppressed, you're going to keep hearing as we get out of this about, oh my God, I can't believe I went to that. We just had Moon River experience and how many Facebook posts I've said, I feel like it's back. I feel whole again. Sure. And it's part of our human nature. I just think that's part of it are finding these solutions and having the responsibility to do these projects. But like I say, what we had to do was find what can we do that is not just a play, but something that has social relevance. How can we do a play that keeps everybody, because it is hard to find those plays where they don't interact. Uh, so we did a couple of radio plays, which the actors speak into a microphone. I tell you, the guys who wrote radio plays, they're probably making all the money throughout this because everybody face the same problem. I'm very proud and I think it's very unique how we have been able to be very serious and still have a product and be relevant to the community and as an arts organization. I think when we first came in August, it was like, are you guys open? We're very dark and now I think people know that we're in business and doing stuff. You're listening to Moving Business Forward from Pod Topics, the place for engaging conversations and insightful information. Let's take you back to our conversation with Rodney Van Valkenburg, the executive director of the Chattanooga Theater Center. I know there's been a lot of debate about putting procedures in place, and I know that, for instance, Jason Isbell is one of the artists, musicians, who said, I want people vaccinated, I want cards, I want tests. Knowing, again, we talked about being responsible to the community, this thing has become so polarized, and I don't want to go there necessarily, but for you in terms of making decisions about how we're going to set these things up, what all went into the protocols and taking that to the public? Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure, and the hard thing I think from a business is how to not get behind the curve and not to get ahead of the curve. I kind of beat myself up a little bit back in August because we've been a little slow about announcing our shows. Because I see other community theaters going, oh, we're doing this big musical in September. And we're like, we're getting back and doing Barefoot, which we weren't able to do back in 2020. And we're doing Hollow coming up here. So I felt a little jealous, you know, oh, these people are doing really coming back. But then they got ahead of the curve because now all of a sudden they're probably like, well, we can't do that show or we have to cancel. So we've had to be very, where are you on the protocols and being careful and all that. So I think every business has to deal with that. And we're a theater, things have to be created here. So it's not like you can work to a certain extent some things were worked at home. This is not something that we can do by Zoom and invite people in. Right, right, right. And I think I'd explain most of the protocols and all. I think what's changing now with Barefoot in the Park is going to open here coming up for us September 24th, I believe. So it's going to be in our smaller spaces. The first show we've done the circle in over two years. Wow. And, and that set has stayed there. It's like frozen in time. We've been frozen in time. Really? So, so we thought earlier in the summer, we thought, oh, we're all done. And this is great. So, oh, well, now we're back to wearing masks. Oh, it was kind of funny when we did Almost Maine earlier and talked about people being separate, but there's some romantic scenes and kissing involved in that show back in January of 21. The way we got around that is that we actually cast real-life couples. So oh, they were married that. or boyfriend, girlfriend. <laughs> that yeah. was a requirement <laughs> to be in the show in an intimate part. 
and everybody else had to be six feet apart. There you go. So here we are again in barefoot, except the comfort of, and we require all the actors to be vaccinated. And we've been doing that since August. Now the vaccinations are available and it's gonna be interesting even, we have plans to do Charlie Brown Christmas that the young people have to be also vaccinated. And that's not just the safety of the performance, but it's also the safety of the directors. What we're new with Barefoot in the Park, being a smaller space, a more intimate space, they were actually going to that point of checking vaccination cards. Okay. Or your proof of tests. So we're going into that world, which we've never walked into before. We did ask the cast, have you been vaccinated? And they said, yes, and okay, you can do the show. Audiences, we have not asked that. And again, it's a continuum. Some people think it's no big deal. And I think in Chattanooga, it's not culturally acceptable, but I was talking to other people who've been like to Maine, other places, and you can't even go to a store without showing your vaccination card. But here in Chattanooga, culturally, we're not at that place. It will be very interesting how that plays out. And actually, my biggest fear is somebody who I know personally will come up and say, oh, I left my card at home. And my answer has to be, I can't let you in because there can't be any exception. No, I would think not. A rule is a rule. And for you and for your organization, that is a difficult moment. Oh, it is a difficult moment because we are open and people know, and these could be our friends and we know each other. Well, you know me. Our challenge is to really get that promoted in advance so there's no surprise. Because some people, even on our board, said, well, I don't even know where my card is. Well, give enough time, you go back yeah. to wherever you had your shot and you can give you a copy of a card. It is a new world that, from a customer relations point of view, mm-hmm. that we build trust and all. So our challenge is getting that communicated beforehand so that people can prepare and then we'll move on. What do you see for CTC over the next 12 months? Oh, please, God, let's get through this. In the sense that we can get back to producing plays the way we normally do it. What I see is enhanced volunteer opportunities, being new here. And what's frustrating when being a new executive is the delay of moving to a strategic direction that you would like to move to. The Chattanooga Theater Center, what I see it, and the staff is all on board, we're all on the same page, that we really see the facility and the organization not just as a community theater space, but as an educational space. So the question becomes when we do a play, it's not just coming and learning your lines and doing that, but how can the volunteers actually learn something and increase their knowledge of theater arts, improve themselves as artists, learn about the play itself. So there's some educational experience and also a very positive volunteer experience that happens. Hopefully we'll keep moving in that direction. I thought working was great. We had Michael Marin Howard was music director and his husband, Louis Marin Howard, was the choreographer and they were so good about teaching the cast. That cast learned so much during that musical about movement, about vocal training. And that's exactly the direction we need to be going towards. So I think that's part of it. The other part is again, we've tested the waters with doing these performances in the facility. We use not only our front lawn, but our patio outside of our circle. It can be another space that's kind of looking at our whole facility to say, could we program something there and bringing more community in? I think that will happen. We have had a very strong conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion. 
I think it's our role as a community theater is how can we allow different voices in the community and how do you make that happen I think is a very interesting question that we begin to present different cultures, different ideas, go into communities and have those communities discover through theater how can we amplify our voices and then bring those experiences back to the Chattanooga Theater Center. I think in the future you'll see more diverse arts like music programs, things that you wouldn't necessarily think more multidimensional than we were previously. Because I think one of the lessons of COVID is diversification. The businesses that are going to survive are the ones who have pivoted, the ones that have been more diverse, and re-examining the needs of the community and to remain viable. And when you originally came here, as you mentioned, you were working on children's programs. Here we are sitting in September, and I know that my daughter was a part of summer programs that meant a lot to her. As you look forward to next summer, in terms of the children's education, where do you see those? Well, we're able to hold some classes. It's interesting just to change rather than offer an eight-week class. It's like once a week for eight weeks, they become like a one-week class because yeah. then you're less likely to have somebody drop out because they got COVID. You reduce the odds if you just do one solid a week rather mm -hmm. than eight weeks of risk. We've done that. That's going to continue. As far as our youth plays, as I mentioned, that people need to be vaccinated. So that means they're 12 and older which is going to be hard on the younger ages. The backbone for our education program is our youth theater, which performs for school groups. 70% of all first grade students come to the theater center of Hamlin County. That's thanks to a program at Artsfield called Imagine. Kindergarten through fourth grade get an arts experience. The tickets and transportation is paid for by Artsfield. Our grade is first grade. There's this arts education that happens that we're a part of, very proud to. So we're waiting for those experiences because also the fun from the beginning when I started back in 1983, when the first things we started were these school performances. You can imagine the cast love it because they get out of school to perform for their peers. That is a great arts experience. It's great for young people to see somebody like themselves doing a program which creates a whole new imagination and accessibility to the arts. So I'm very anxious to get back to that, but Hamilton County Schools, right now they're not allowing field trips. We'll see how long that lasts. We hope to have a couple of shows in the spring. Charlie Brown Christmas, we're hoping to at least have some school performances for that in December. We'll see. One of the things that happened that was really kind of cool, thanks to Artsfield, was we filmed an Imagine video series last year because the money was already budgeted. That was something when I was still there. It's like, well, we had this, what are we going to do? And they created a five-part series of videos that you normally wouldn't experience experience if you went on a field trip. So for us, we had an opportunity to interview two students that were in the production of The Lion King Jr. that we did. It's a great introduction to the theater because they can hear their peers like kids talk about being in a show. And then the kids, not the adults, but the kids led backstage tours. How about that? Now you can't do that in a field trip. So it's an opportunity to go behind the scenes and to actually look backstage and explore our great facility. Because as you know, you might have the performance bug, but until you go backstage, there's a whole world back there. Something that fires people's imagination. I know. We need to do tours. I mean, that's one of the things I love to do. Actually, my favorite things to do is actually tour professional actors from New York through the building because 
because they're like, oh my God, this is one of the largest community theaters in the country, facility-wise. It's unheard of to have this great facility. It's right here in Chattanooga, like say 44,000 square feet. From an educational standpoint, it's kind of like a lab because we have a huge, huge <laughs> scene shop, costume shops, and it's so fun to look at our costume storage. It's just amazing, the shoes, number of shoes, because <laughs> you have to thank you to all these plays and not everybody's the same size, so you have a lot of a lot of stuff, different time periods and everything. So, so is it bigger than Imelda Marcus's shoe Well, closet? I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I want to ask you, let's put all of the COVID talk aside for a moment. Let's get out your crystal ball and let's look ahead five years. Where do you want to see the theater center here in Chattanooga in five years? In five years, well, very viable. I think one of our challenges is that people, as they know the Chattanooga Theater Center, Ch North Chattanooga, there are so many people that walk across the Walnut Street Bridge and have no idea who we are. To spend their whole life in Chattanooga, I get that all the time. I walked the Walnut Street Bridge and I didn't know you all were right there, and there we are. So I think in five years that people not only recognize who we are, but also appreciate in the work that we do and understand how even more so that we are such a treasure to this community and that we're able to offer these educational experiences for all ages, whether to do plays or classes or work backstage and really have a very vibrant experience where things are happening all the time. Just people just look at us away in appreciation of the gem we are for Chattanooga. Part of that five years, and you mentioned it earlier, mm -hmm. you're in the 98th year, you're going to be celebrating 100 years. You guys have been an institution. Think back about 100 years of history, and you've been involved in this directly since 1983. You took a little time at Arts Build, but you were still involved, and you've been involved today. So you're talking 38 years of history with this place to this point. It's been here because of community support. And it's all about the community. And if the community doesn't find a need or an interest, that's what it's all about. And certainly we have such a strong history of amazing volunteers. I think of Sonia Young, also known as the Purple Lady. Sonia was really the drive of bringing me here and starting the full-time youth theater program. Like I said, we've been here since 1960 in this space. It was around 1997, 98 that we renovated and created this new space. It was built on budget and on time. That's unheard of. That's because we had such strong volunteers like Sonia, like John Murray. You can go through each generation and say, you know, we're here because of these people during this certain time period. You had strong community people. I think of the Steakley family. These are not rich and powerful members of Chattanooga, but the Steakley family for 50 years had leadership. Steakley's and Sons Plumbing. They have a plumbing business that's 100 years old. And that family has been for many, 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 like I say, over 50 years had been volunteers here. So that's the success through each phase of those 100 years is thanks to some very passionate people who thought the theater should be available to this community. I think they set a great foundation for us to be here, allowed us to be on this amazing riverfront property. Our challenge is 44,000 square feet and to keep upgrade and make sure the air conditioning is working, the roofs doesn't leak and all that. It brings in some challenges, but I think right now our future, I see such opportunity and positive growth that we can build on now as we get into our next century. And I think that's going to be such a benefit for our volunteers in the community and I'm very thankful to be part of that. So if folks want to get involved with the Theater right. Center, talk about that for a moment. 
We have a newsletter that goes out once a week that you can send us your email. There's an email for any questions. It's called hello at theatercenter.com. And theater center is always very confusing, but it is T-H-E-A-T-R-E and center with an R-E. Very English of us. Because you went upscale with that, right? That's right. I was part of those discussions way back when in 96, before internet, and you were called the Little Theater. And we changed the name because people would walk in here and go, this isn't little. And Little Theater, actually, not a little history lesson, is that community theaters had different names during different time periods. So mm-hmm. back in the 20s, 1923, when we were formed, Little Theater was just the term people called community theaters. And then it became community theater and then became Theater Chattanooga or Theater Memphis. And we chose Chattanooga Theater Center. But the challenge is, I don't know if you ever knew the difference between movie theater is a movie theater. Whereas we do dramas and live plays, and so we're a theater. Theater. To get involved, certainly email hello theatercenter.com, and theatercenter.com is our website. Or on Facebook, we have our own Facebook page, the Chattanooga Theater Center. Facebook also has always information about auditions. We also started a new one, Theater Center Volunteers, on Facebook. So we want to have kind of a call board. Earlier you mentioned your marketing director, Julie, who happens to be your wife. I want to ask you about here, you're the boss, but at home. Yeah, she's the boss. (laughs) Good quick answer on that That's right. No, that's what we say. I have so, so, so much respect for Julie and the work that she does. I know the theater center does too, and I wouldn't even consider taking this job if I thought less of that. The skills that she has are the exact skills that are needed in that position, meaning that you need a generalist, somebody who does it all, and Julie writes she designs so she does a lot of things and when you only have one person in that position you need more of a generalist when she got the job i thought man that is just such a great match and thankful that she was hired previously certainly i think i drive her nuts more than she drives me nuts (laughs) we enjoy it. it's kind of funny because we usually drive separately to work a lot of times she won't even say good morning to me when she gets to work she just walks by and goes to her office and our offices are not that far apart we really don't see each other that much because we got work to do but we've always eaten lunch together for years and years and years and years and years and we've always enjoyed being together i think that's key but i think the real key is how much i respect the work she does and a couple things one to have somebody of julie's talent level and skill you really needed that in this situation with covid as you were coming into this really to have a partner at work and partner at home too right one thing i was impressed with julie because she did so much research so what you see in our protocols that's not just julie it's other staff people but julie did a lot of research if you go to our website you'll see our safety protocols and then you see underneath there the resources we use and that's very impressive no organization can get through this particularly one you're dealing with the public without somebody that's really good in pr that's true i think from a business standpoint it's all about communication and trust and you're only going to get that communication and trust from your pr your marketing people especially in a business like ours which is people-centric absolutely now as we wrap things up i wanted to ask you what is the best part for you coming back coming home two things pop in my head one is nothing beats just being around the people and the volunteers and enjoying the family theater is always a family and it's being part of that and to come every day and seeing people that you really enjoy being with and volunteers that you enjoy being with it's so fortunate to have that certainly there are the stresses of any business and dealing with personal people issues and all that but that's part of it i'm realizing part of the fun is all these new programs i've always been a i use the word schemer but in a positive way (laughs) 
Linda McReynolds, who now works at Siskin, used to work at United Way, and we worked on some projects, and she and I were like, you know, we're schemers. We like to figure out how to use whatever structure for the community good. I mean, it's really kind of cool to be able to be in a position and to make change and to be in an organization to make change. How do you work within the structure to make these things happen? How do we offer these new programs without burning out staff, without taxing people, and trying to figure out all those plans and ideas and scheming and have it all happen. So that's certainly part of the fun too. I think you probably call on those skills quite a bit since you came into the job because you came in in a difficult situation, not of the organization's making, just of the world, deal with COVID. And to your point that you made earlier, in terms of taking what you have and moving things around, you've used one set, what, 10 times now? Yes, definitely. And and it's been a challenge and it's having a lot of experience doing lots of different jobs. Even though I came in as executive director, also the two people that left, one was our operations person. I'm also doing all that office stuff and something gets broke, I'm the one calling and I'm getting things fixed and I'm doing that. And the other person is the development person. Now, part of coming here from Artsville, which is initially a fundraising organization, is being the fundraiser, but at the same time, not having a staff. When can we afford the staff to get us back up and running? And that's, I think a lot of businesses are wondering about those kind of questions. Talk about coming in and juggling a lot of things, wearing a lot of hats. Wearing a lot of hats at the beginning. But I look at it as a good thing in the sense that when I pass the torch of operations to somebody else or patch the torch of development support, I think I'll have a much more better understanding of the whole organization because going through this. And we're not at full speed. The challenge of what we do is that we're like a moving train and it's hard to stop that train to make changes and then move on to the next show. So this has given us some opportunities to slow down a little bit and to stop the train and to think about what we're doing. Right now we're trying to get a play up. It still can be very tense and stressful. Well, one of the things that I've heard throughout the entire conversation here is that you're always seeing the positives. That speaks well of you and the organization and speaks well of the future. Even in the darkest of times that we've been through here in the last year and a half, you jumped onto a ship that you knew you were going into some dark times just because of the way the world was, but you always saw the positives. Yeah, again, benefit, you go, well, we lost staff and we had some really good staff leave, but at the other hand, we kind of have this philosophical idea and educational facility. And so we know we have that opportunity now to hire people who share our philosophy rather than try to say, come on, let's bring you along or somebody who's not quite on board. If we do it right, then we'll have a cohesive staff that has an understanding of the mission and where we're going. And that's great. We've made a hire with somebody in the shop. Again, he was such a great opportunity. He's a trainer. He likes to train people. I wouldn't know if he called himself a teacher, but I think he has that sensibility that can not just have people show up and help build. That's where you lose people, but to actually give people a really good quality, fun experience. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us? I love talking shop. This has been a great opportunity to talk about it because I don't get to talk about it comprehensively like this. So this is a great opportunity. I appreciate you. That's Rodney Van Valkenburg, the executive director of the Chattanooga Theater Center, with his closing thoughts on this debut edition of the Moving Business Forward podcast from Pond Topics. We would like to once again thank Rodney for his time and perspective. If you would like to learn more about the latest happenings at the Chattanooga Theater Center, we invite you to visit the organization's website, theatercenter.com. That web address again is theatercenter.com. We'd like to thank you for listening to this debut episode of Moving Business Forward, a podcast dedicated to bringing you insights and perspectives 
from Chattanooga area business leaders. Be sure to check podtopics.com for new episodes of the series. We'd also like to invite you to subscribe to Moving Business Forward on your favorite podcast platform. You can find Moving Business Forward on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio Podcast, and all other major podcast services. By becoming a subscriber, you'll be notified whenever we post a new episode. And on some of the platforms, you'll also have the opportunity to rate our podcast. Once again, thank you for spending part of your day with us here on Pod Topics, the place for engaging conversations and insightful information.